Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Disciple Makers Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Stovall, and today you're in for a real treat. We've got five special podcasts coming at you all at once. The following audio was recorded by discipleship.org at Exponential's World Conference in Orlando in March of 2022, where we gave five track sessions at the event. So in the next five episodes, you're going to be hearing from Bobby Harrington of discipleship.org, Harry Brown from New Generations, Dan Lights with Bonhoeffer Project, Jim Putman from Real Life Ministries, and Paul Hugabar of Renew.org. I want to give you a heads up. Some of this audio has some weird skips here and there, but I'm going to go ahead and share these sessions with you because I believe they'll be helpful for both understanding international disciple-making movements and also for how these principles can apply in your ministry and in your church. All right, everybody, enough of me talking. Let's jump in and hear the episode. Well, my name is Roy Moran, M-O-R-A-N. Love for you to get that last vowel correct. And um, I am... uh, (laughs) Yeah, you know, it just keeps coming, doesn't it? <laughs> so we're here to talk about uh, discovery. And so we're going to try to do maybe four things today. Uh, I'm, I'm going to introduce you to discovery and how it fits in the larger picture. Uh, there's a huge mistake that a lot of people make uh, when they throw around terms like disciple-making movements and discovery group or discovery Bible study. And I want to help you at least identify that mistake and, and uh, be able to know it when you make it. Um, and then also... I want you to experience uh, what it's like to, to use uh, a, a few of the questions in the discovery process, and then we're going to come out of that and talk about uh, some of the tips and things that what makes a, a discovery process viral. And then lastly, we're just going to spend some time on Q&A. Uh, so that's the route that we're going through. We have an hour to do it, uh, so it's going to be pretty aggressive here. Uh, I hope you don't feel like a baby fed with a fire hose when you're done, uh, but uh, my contact information, and I have numerous colleagues on the back row back there that are as capable or some of them even more capable than me in this process, so you can grab them and talk to them. Uh, so, Lissa Hinman, wave at us, Lissa, David Hinman, uh, Jeff Crabtree, and Harry Brown. Uh, so, after it's over, uh, if you feel like that they should never let people like me up here, then you need to talk to them. So um, I wrote the book Spent Matches, um, and if you're interested, you can pick up a copy out at uh, the New Generations booth. I also uh, hijacked a a chapter in that called Hybrid Church back in 2014. I started using that term long before it was popular today. It means nothing like what we mean today. You know, the hybrid church today means that we took three-dimensional consumers and we allowed them to become two-dimensional consumers. We sent them home, thanks to our government, and let them watch, quote, what we thought as church out of their bed in their pajamas. So uh, that's not what I mean by hybrid church. So if you're interested, you might want to pick up a copy. Just to give you a little idea of, the, of where I'm coming from, the experience, uh, New Generations is an organization that's been around a long time. It did operate under the name City Team for quite some time. And then about three and a half years ago, God birthed out of City Team uh, new generations with a whole new name, uh, but the same team. So how many of you have read Miraculous Movements? Anybody read Miraculous Movements? Uh, we got one over here. All right, written by Jerry Trousdale. It's also available at the New Generations booth. But it's about our team and some of the work that's happened in Sub-Saharan Africa. So you see up here some of the data. Uh, this data is old, uh, unfortunately, because it 
changes almost by the week. I think, uh, is it 149, Harry? 149, and it's over 2 million. We passed the 2 million mark, and the engagements are up in the 861. Harry is the president of New Generation, so that's why he has that stuff, you know. Um, anyway, uh, we, we have a vast expanse across 50 countries uh, of engaging people, and out of the 1,400 about movements that uh, 2414 tracks, uh, we have been given the privilege to shepherd about uh, 10% of those. And so God has given us a, a vast amount of experience with our, our partners uh, that exist uh, around the world. There's Jerry's book. Um, if you're interested, you want to read a great story about the, the movement of the gospel across sub-Saharan Africa, that is a phenomenal book to start with, especially if you like storybooks. So here, here's, the, here, here's one of the big takeaways from today. Um, Dave Rhodes, may, maybe some of you know Dave Rhodes from Future Church. Uh, Dave Rhodes said this, everybody heart for disciple making, but few have the stomach for it. Few have the stomach for it. Um, Jerry wrote Miraculous Movements about the success of Sub-Saharan Africa. He did not write the prequel about the failures that led to the successes in Sub-Saharan Africa. So uh, I chide Jerry sometimes that he needs to write the prequel, not the second edition, whatever, uh, because <clears throat> this is hard stuff. This is mindset-changing stuff. This is culture-building, not skill-building. And, and so uh, the nature of this is, is necessarily hard. So... <clears throat> Another maybe takeaway, I'm sharing with you quickly some of my lessons over the last 13 years is I've tried to move this concept of disciple-making movements into a Western context. Uh, I founded Shoal Creek Community Church 27 years ago, still there in some capacity, at least they still pay me uh, if I show up every once in a while. Uh, and uh, also happen to have the privilege of being the chairman of the board at, at the new of the New Generations uh, organization. So... Uh, the, a hard lesson I learned. Uh, I fell in love with the solution. And so for the first five or seven years, uh, I was intoxicated with the terminology, disciple-making movements, discovery, Bible study. I, was, I, I thought that solution was the answer to the problems uh, that we have in the West. And so I sold, persuaded, cajoled, whatever I could do to get people to, to take up this solution and I realized that I needed to really help people fall in love with the problem. And the problem is found passage that, that I'm going to have you look into later in today. But the problem is, is that God has been in the family building business ever since he entered human history. And his family is his prime importance, building that family. And have a number of problems in the way we get his message to our world that doesn't really get that message to people's heart. And so it, it's really you know, about the problem. Our father's heart aches to build his family. And so we need to be about that, and yet the way we bring people into relationship with our father doesn't really allow them to catch that. They don't fall in love with the problem and connect with our father's heart. So... Um, I think I've already done that. Here we go. Um, so I, I've used the word culture several times. And, and, and so I, I want you to realize that another big learning I had in coming through this process is, is that uh, many of you probably recognize Peter Drucker, you know, the father of modern management. And he said, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast. 
Um, and, and understanding what that means and how that works in an organization um, is, is probably responsible for a few of the, the wounds that I have on my body. Uh, trying to facilitate and lead a, uh, a modern Western church that's growing and successful and, and doing all the right things, and yet trying to reorient a small percentage of people toward a different way of looking at things in terms of having both the gospel moving toward us in terms of a collectional strategy and the gospel moving away from us instead of a, in, in terms of distributed strategy. It's a culture building experience. Culture is made up of language. You know, you know when you land in a spot and you don't understand the words that you've got a different language and also customs, repeated habits that these, these things that are repeated over and over, they're valued in this culture because connecting the language <clears throat> with everything else. So I'm going to speed through here. Um, I know those all look interesting. So um, one more time. But uh, if you want to know about them, we can talk later. So uh, this process, we're talking about discovery Bible study. We're talking about using the discovery process to, to f- help people understand how to fall in love with Jesus and learn to become active, multiplying disciples in His efforts in this world. And it fits in this flywheel, this disciple-making movement's flywheel that you, that you see there. Uh, it starts in the heart of the Father. You, you have to capture people with the heart of their Father and understand that the Father aches for his not yet children who aren't in his family, so that people can have a John 1.12 experience where they realize that they get the right to become the children of God. Uh, but it fits in, in a number of different behaviors and activities, customs, that when practiced on a regular basis, I, I passed up one of my favorite slides, and I'm, I'm going to go back to it. Just, oops, sorry. You know, obviously, I do not know what I'm doing here. Sorry if you get car sick here. So, um, you know, famous actor Bruce Lee says this, I fear not the man who's practiced 10,000 kicks once, but I fear the man who's practiced one kick 10,000 times. The danger of a conference like this is that you got people that have all kinds of new silver bullets. They're offering you silver bullets and you're something new. When in fact, I think that the reality is, is we don't need something new. <clears throat> we need to stay <clears throat> in obedience in the same direction for a long period of time. And so that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today in, in terms of this process of, of uh, discovery Bible study. So the three group format uh, is um, in, in some ways liturgy. For those of you who come from a more liturgical background, this is like liturgy. Wow, I can't get on the right one there. For uh, people who are coming to know who Jesus is. And so in the New Generations world, we use this process to introduce people to a relationship with their father. In fact, we're changing their relationship because if you ask the average person, especially in the West, if they have a relationship with God, most of them will say yes. They have a creature-creator relationship. They don't have a father-child relationship. And so we help use this discovery Bible study process to people move from a creature-creator to a father-child relationship to God. And, and we do it in such a way that it equips them with the skill to 
as they're doing it, be able to move on and do it with someone else. And so we've put the cookies on the lower shelf because we believe that's what Jesus did. And we've allowed opportunity for people to replicate uh, very quickly because the processes that are being used to, to bring them into a father-child relationship are, are simple, sustainable processes they can turn around and do in their natural social networks. Uses seven questions. All right. Each question has, uh, it looks simple, uh, but it's not easy. Uh, each question has a very deep and profound space in the theological world. For instance, the first question, you may look at it, and for those of you that have any kind of seminary education, you may think, ah, I see theology proper in that question, right? No, you don't, actually. But it is, actually. It's, it's helping people come to understand that there is a God, and even actually pray, you know, you look at those studies, you know, and atheists pray, who do they pray to? Well, we're, the, the idea that there's a Father in heaven, and, and we talk to Him, He ordered this world, He created this world, and all that kind of stuff, and so we, we come and just help people orient themselves to looking up and, and realizing God in heaven, and we, we help them take a path through the scriptures to understand who that God is and what He wants in their lives and in His world and their world. So, seven questions. Uh, if you're interested in uh, getting these questions, I, I know some of you taking pictures, writing them down. Um, if you want to spend 99 cents, you can go to your app store, Android or the, the Apple side, and look up Discovery Group. Discovery Group. It's a, just a small little app that has these questions in it. Uh, we built it for, for our leaders because um, a lot of people like you are trying to figure out, okay, I can't remember those seven questions. And so, well, we just simply put them in an app and have their phones. Everyone has a phone today, and so it works really well in terms of leadership on that rabbit trail. So um, the, the first question presumes that you met last week, all right? So the, the first question presumes that there was a meeting last week, so we're building an accountable structure here. We're building a structure of accountability that helps people understand that we want to hear God and we want to do what He says. The second question, what are you thankful for? I was referring to that a few moments ago. Uh, second question that starts the group, what are you thankful for? Third question, what's the biggest challenge or problem you're facing today? Um, fourth question, uh, do you know someone who you could serve this week or we could serve as a group? And so you're building in this outward mentality really quick. Uh, the fifth question, uh, we're going to read the scriptures, what's God said? Uh, we're just going to go through that process and, and understand what he says in the passage. We're going to retell it. So we'll read it, we'll reread it, we'll retell it. Uh, the sixth question, we're going to ask, okay, if this is God speaking, what are you going to do about it? And the seventh question is, uh, who are you going to share with what God's doing in your life this week? And we're looking for a name there. We're looking for a person um, that, that for people. So I'm going to leave those up, but I'm going to put you in a group. Uh, and so this is probably the maybe the emotionally the, the, the apex or it could be the low point in, in this uh, session because you're going to have to choose a partner. Um, so I'm going to ask you to choose three other people to be in your group. All right. You're going to have to find people who are smarter than you are and, and, and you're going to have to invite them to join you uh, to be a part of, of a group. So I'm going to ask you to mess up these chairs, turn face to face, and get in groups of four. And then I'm going to give you some instructions.
Hello, Disciple Makers Podcast listeners. I want to invite you to the 2022 National Disciple Making Forum here in Nashville, Tennessee on October 5th and 6th. Jesus had a strategy, a plan, and a roadmap for making disciples. In other words, he was highly intentional. He guided, coached, and developed his disciples into full-on disciple makers, and by living out the Great Commission, they changed the entire world. We're constantly gaining new insight about intentional discipleship as we look closely at Jesus. And if we're thoughtful and prayerful, we can apply many of those same practices today. So head on over to discipleship.org to buy your tickets for the 2022 National Disciple Making Forum. I look forward to seeing you there. All right, so here's your assignment. Uh, We're going to truncate this discovery process. We're going to assume that you've already, you met last week and you talked about, hey, how how did you do with your I will statement last week? You know, I I said that I wanted to um, X, and, and usually in an I will statement, and it's a, a very doable thing, and we would know whether you do it. Oh, sharing with folks. Well, I didn't share last, you know, I just, uh, or, or I had this grand opportunity to talk to someone, you know, I was at Starbucks, and, and uh, I, I just, it was sharing what God was doing. I was learning this passage and stuff like that. So, and, and then you've gone through, hey, what are you thankful for this week? And now, every one of these questions is not necessarily, from this point on, an all play. Everyone doesn't have to do it. And we're like, these folks are going to have a hard time getting through this because there are more than four here. Uh, in a Western world, we love to talk. I don't care if you're an introvert or an extrovert. When you get asked questions, we love to talk. We discovered it takes about three minutes per question per person. There are seven questions. Three times seven. I'm not a math person, so stay with me here. Three times seven is four. Four times 21, that gets you almost to an hour and a half, right? And they've got five over there, or six. They got six, so it's six times over there, all right? So, so you see, one of the reasons in, in, in the West, you know, if you're in other continents, other cultures, uh, there, you can have huge groups. But, but in the West, we've discovered that keep it. So you've gone through the question about thankful. You've gone through the question about um, what, what's one challenge. I, I, would, I might change my slide here. Um, and I, I don't want to be sexist here, but I'm going to sound radically sexist. And so if you want to cancel me, go ahead. I've been canceled many times. Um, but... But in, we discovered in, in our all-female groups that you really have to stress what's one challenge you've had this week. <laughs> All right, so there, there, there tends to be um, uh, there, there tends to be that that can take things, you know, and so you're you're done, you're done with for the night. All right, so you're done. For, and typically in the West, we struggle with that third question because you know, is there someone we serve? This idea of getting your eyes out. And, and looking at who, who could we be involved in helping in our community. And even in a pre-Christian world, we're trying to get people's eyes on understanding that there is a need to join God and helping Him heal our world. And so typically that's hard because we always think of poverty. And we, I don't know anybody that needs money. Well, but there's, there are people that they need their kids taken to school because they've got doctor appointments or, or so-and-so down the street uh, has been diagnosed with breast cancer and she's going to struggle with meals and you know all kinds of things happening in, in Western neighborhoods and stuff like that. So if you raise your eyes up and understand poverty is just human need rather than just financial need, you see a lot of needs you know, in our world. Uh, but we don't spend a lot of time there. You know, if there's no one there, you know, we'll just move on. And we can talk a little bit later if you want about how do you insert some things in there. So we've asked that question, and now we've come to the question of, of what does the Bible say? So we're going to read passage twice. 
And what we like to do is we like to have people read it in two different versions of the Bible. So they just get a different feel for it, all right? So what we don't like to do is have one of those versions be the message. Because once Eugene Peterson has spoken, there is nothing left to say, all right? So we avoid the message process like the plague. I love you, um, but in a discovery process, it doesn't work well because he so he just you know gets up there and no one feels like they can get up there. So two different versions read uh, by people, and and the beauty of of this device is is that uh, by and large, almost everyone you'll work with has one of these. And so Bible.org, you know, the Bible version app, or you can get them to download Bible Gateway. And, and they have access just by the touch of a button or a space on their phone to a different digital version of the Bible than it is to get around a physical version of the Bible. So oftentimes it's helpful. We find, and it's people who've made the journey from, from having a creature-creator relationship to having a father-child relationship, the dig, they start on the digital Bible before they actually get to the printed Bible. And, and we do feel like they, they, they get to the printed Bible, and they also have to get the pen and pencil later on in, in their journey. You know, they have to start writing and thinking and, and interacting with God in a, a very physical way in a physical world. So that, that's coming. But to begin with, you know, the, the phone becomes a great piece. So we read the passage twice. And before we read it, though, I would typically say, uh, your, your name tag's backwards. You got me here. Tyler. I, w- I would say, hey, Tyler, uh, we're going to read the passage twice here. And when we get done... Uh, how about if you retell the passage in your own words? So these people may be reading, but I can guarantee you Tyler is going to be intent on listening because he's got a job once we're done reading. He's listening ears that are one one. And, uh, and, and typically, you know, you, you're, if you re- can read people well enough, you know not to pick someone. You can tell if you pick someone who's just going to, you know, freeze up and, and freak out on you. All right, so... Pick someone, uh, after you read it twice, pick someone, and then Tyler's going to retell it in his own words. And then as a facilitator, I'm going to encourage the group to help Tyler out. Okay, so how how did you see it? What what was going on in this passage? How would you retell it? What would you add to what Tyler had to say? And so we're going to really do what Eugene Peterson did as a group. We're going to make a paraphrase of this passage. So we're going to walk around the passage and, and see, see what it says and, and kind of together look at it, all right? It's, it's not important that it's complete, but it's important that you participate in the process. So once, once we get to a point where we have exhausted the passage, you know, we feel like, okay, we, we kind of get a, a good feel for it. Then we're going to ask the question, okay, if this is God speaking about it, Jesus' love language was obedience. So if you love me, you will, yeah, keep my commands, do what I say, that kind of stuff, you know? And each person to ground and identify one thing they're going to do related to this passage. Now, when you're beginning you know, in, in the pre-Christian world with people, um, you know, it's, it's sometimes... Um, very interesting. So I'm in Genesis 1 with a guy, Mike's uh, uh, got cancer or a cancer survivor. He's 70 years old, and we're reading Genesis 1. And Mike 
uh, has this uh, experience. He's, he's kind of crusty. He's a contractor, uh, you know, been in, in, in hard-type situations all his life and, and, and pretty, pretty cynical, in a sense, toward God because of the cancer stuff. But we get to the end of Genesis 1, and, and so it's, I'll say, Mike, if this, uh, if this is God speaking, what are you going to do about it? So Mike says, you know, I hate tree huggers. I think they're it's. But if I understand this passage, God made this world, and He's asking me to take care of it. So I'm going to the city hall tomorrow, and I'm going to pick up a recycling bin, and I'm going to start recycling. Now, towards Jesus. And when we celebrated His passing into heaven, it was a beautiful thing to look back and understand. Just a guy, hard, but his heart started softening as he responded to the Word of God and went to City Hall and picked up a recycling bin. And he came to know Jesus. Uh, or, you know, an I will statement that responds to the passage, and, and we'll, we'll deal with that here afterwards and, and maybe help coach some of you to good I will statements. But once everyone has an I will statement, you know, uh, and we like to think of that I will statement as being smart, you know, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, time bound. You've heard that acronym. Um, I like to say to people, say, in the next 24 to 40 hours, what could you do to help God know that you heard what he said? Um, so take I will statement. And then finally, the last question is that, hey, who do you want to trust God for this week that you could share with what he's doing in your life? Now, it might be related to your I will statement, but we're going to challenge people to have one spiritual conversation every week with someone and, and just let them into their narrative. I'm not asking them to share their faith. I don't want them to be persuasive. I want them to share their story, and I want them to invite other people into their story. And when we meet at that narrative level, it's amazing the kinds of things that can happen uh, in terms of spiritual conversation. All right, so I'm going to wander around the room, and if you have questions, you get stumped and that kind of stuff. But this is this is pretty simple stuff. It's not rocket science. Uh, but again, I'll go back to Bruce Lee. You know, it, it, it's about practicing something ten thousand times. Most of you probably read Tipping Point and and that kind of stuff. You know, it's like getting really proficient at simple things uh, can be profound for the kingdom. So we're going to use Luke 15 through 24, a passage that's probably abundantly familiar to all of you. All right? So we're going to read it twice. We're going to have, before we read it, anoint someone to tell it in their own words. All right? So uh, why don't we do that right now? All right? So let, let's do that together. I'm going to count one, two, three, and you all point at the person you think is probably the best person that God would choose to do that. All right? So are you ready? Here we go. One, two, three. In our neighborhood, coming by the church, I leave twice a week. I'm strung out on drugs. Oh. Very fast. Um, I found out a couple days ago that he's been in rehab for the past six months, and he's been clean for six months. Um, he's staying at a group home right across the street from our church. So the I will statement is I'm going to visit when I get back to town, and then we're going to plan a party for him. Just like this guy. Mm. Mm. And I want to 
walk you through the scripture and be like, man, that's you. And guess what? Your party's next week. Wow. All right, we're done. Let's pray. <laughs> that's awesome, Carl. That's awesome. All right, so uh, will we know if he's done it next week? Yeah. Hey, Carl, how'd you do with that visitation? You know, got a date for the party yet? I'm just kidding. I'm just, you know. <laughs> but, you know, you, you see how that works. Someone else. I know that's, that's like, yes, sir. So, yeah, I'm a dad, right? And my kids do dumb things. Right? And some, I feel your pain. You feel me? And sometimes they do dumb stuff that specifically hurts me, right? Yeah. And so typically when that happens, I, I shouldn't say typically, but often or sometimes when that happens, depending on how deeply it hurts me, I will, uh, I will wait until they're ready to say, I'm sorry, Dad, <laughs> before I give them my loving attention. Uh, there we go. But here I notice that the father, all, all the boy has to do is take, he just shows up scene. He just takes one step. He doesn't even get a chance to say I'm sorry yet before he's wrapped in the loving arms of his father. Because all he did was show up. Yeah. And so my I will is if and when my kids something dumb that hurts me, which I'm sure they will, I need to be, as the father was, looking out for them to take just one step. And when they do, wrap them in my arms. Because that me extending that love is going to in turn probably melt their heart um, to where they m- may even actually repent after that. But yeah. I-, I shouldn't wait for the repentance. Okay. I need to love hey, them Your first. name? I'm Joshua. Joshua. Okay. Uh, how do you feel about that I will statement? You, you love it? Anybody not love it? Are we going to know if, you know... I have six kids. Okay. So, that not I have four kids, nine grandchildren, so I, I know it. You know, I know that. So, so you know, if I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to let that go first four, five, six weeks, I'm going to let that kind of thing go, but I'm going to want to know that detail, and I'm going to want to say, uh, I want Joshua to express it in terms of, I'm going to look this week for my kids doing something stupid, and I'm going to love them. You know, I mean, it's, a, it's that kind of thing. I, I'm going to look. You know, he's he sort of said it passively, but you know a guy with six kids, he, he knows something that you don't, you know? <laughs> he, he knows that that probably not a day, much less a week goes by, you know, where his kids don't do something stupid. So he knows that already, you know, but, but we want to know that. And it says, one more, one more I will statement. All right, we got someone narked out back there. So I'm from Indiana. Uh, my sister lives down here in Florida. We have a pretty um, strange relationship. And I've been feeling kind of nudged to go visit her while I'm down here. Um, so after today's text, I will go visit her. Oh, excellent. 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 How do you feel about that? Yeah, that's pretty good. You know, so conference is over. You meet her next week and you say, 
hey, how was that visit with your sister? Uh, well, you know, um, I had to get my nails done, and, um, I, you know, and it's like, oh, I see, okay. So yeah, we're, we're building this graceful accountability in, in, a, in a, a group environment to help people understand God's love language is really, you know, to do this. I mean, let's face it, um, if you're, you've got a project, uh, it's your car, your home, uh, software project, whatever, uh, you're going to look for the smartest people to give you advice on that. And, and what we're saying is, is that we think the smartest person, the smartest human that ever lived was Jesus. The smartest being in the universe is God. He created life. And so if there's anybody we should listen to and do what he says, it would be him. And so that's why we hear what he says and do. And so that's, that's the, 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 the obedience. Hi, it's Jason Henderson here as a sponsor from Renew.org. I wanted to invite you to not only attend Discipleship.org's National Disciple Making Forum, but come one day early for the Renew.org Network National Gathering. It's October 4th from 1230 to 830 p.m. So the afternoon and evening, you can travel early that day. You'll get to hear from Paul Hugabart, Jim Putman, Shadonke Johnson, and other well-known disciple makers. They'll speak on our theme, Real Life Theology Conversations. That's the theology we need for real life and the relationships and conversations, the hard conversations that it takes in today's cultural reality to make disciples. There's special pricing available. You're going to want the best price to come to both Discipleship.org's National Disciple Making Forum as well as Renew.org's National Gathering. Go to Renew.org forward slash events for that combo ticket. That's the best price to both events, the combo ticket. Again, that's R-E-N-E-W dot O-R-G forward slash events, renew.org forward slash events. We'll see you there. Did you all come out with a name of someone to share with when you got to that seventh question? We're looking for a name, and here's just a little tip. Many of you, many people see this idea of discovery, and they start doing it with Christians. It's not always a good idea. Christians are kind of difficult to work with in this process. All right? I love doing discovery with non-believers. It's so much easier. I mean, it's so much more rich and authentic, and the insights are so much better. It's, it's incredible. But if you're doing it with Christians, you're starting in the, in, in the Christian world, and, and I would just say kind of as a blanket statement, if you're trying to get to multiply into a non-believing world using the discovery process, um, you're going to grow old doing that. Uh, it just is hard to get Christians to multiply in the non-believing world. But what we say, if, if we are, are dealing with, with a discovery group with many believers in it, people are following Jesus already, is that for the first couple of weeks, let sharing that seventh question be someone like my wife, my kid, my, my best friend, and all that kind of stuff. But it, about the fourth or fifth week, we draw a line and say, you know, together, let's covenant together to take this question to allow us to move into lostness. So let's say that we are going to pick names of people, trust God to share with what he's doing in our life, of people we don't understand or, or know for sure their eternal destination. Now, however you want to say that, 
You know, however, you feel like you're making a judgment, but however you want to say that, you're, you're moving into lostness with that seventh question, all right? So um, I just want to alert you to the fact that here, so the one of you that's violated the law, if you'll go back there and confess to our friend, no, <laughs> no. All right, so the benefits of discovery, what is it? It's not rocket science. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, it. you're not passive, are you? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Accountability. Okay. Yeah. Points of view. Refer- frames of references. You know, we all love what we discover. You, you don't buy my conclusions. You know, you buy your conclusions. So if I, if I help you get to your conclusions, I'm much, you know, a much better, quote, teacher. You know, we think of teachers as tellers. And the fact is, is that good teachers design learning environments that get people to places that they thought they wanted or over obstacles that they knew they wanted to get over. All right? So I, I tell you what I'll do, since we're rushing for time here, if you will send me an email, that's rmoran at newgenerations.org, if you want this slide deck, I'll be glad to give it to you. And uh, as I race through here, but uh, you know, here's a bunch of stuff that, that you know, gives people who don't, I can't read that back, don't, don't know a lot, uh, a way to join in, in, in meaningful activity. It d- democratizes the Bible. When we first began this process some 12, 13 years ago, I had a teacher who went to her fellow faculty and wanted to start a discovery group. She had an idea that three of the girls that she was going to ask, she's an elementary school teacher, three of her fellow faculty members were, were followers of Jesus, but three of them weren't, and she was really hoping that the three that weren't followers of Jesus would join into it. So she asked all six, the three believers said yes, the three non-believers said no. I, I, she was so disappointed, just so down. In the, in the dumps. And so I said, look, uh, Mandy, I, I said, do you have a good enough relationship with three non-believers um, that you could take them out uh, for happy hour and ask them um, why they said no? And she goes, yeah, I think so. I said, well, I'll buy the margaritas if you'll take them out. And uh, so sure enough, they went out and they sat, you know, at happy hour. And she just said, hey, I, I, I don't want to offend you guys, but um, why didn't you get in this group? And one of the girls just said, look, at the point, we were calling it Discovery Bible Study. And the girl said to her, look, Mandy, I, um, I don't know much about the Bible. And what I know about Bible study, it's a place where Christians come to display their knowledge about the Bible. I don't need another place in my life to feel dumb. So I'm not coming. So at that point, we started calling it Discovery Group. Uh, just to keep that, that kind of offensive piece to it. And and help them understand this truly is a discovery process. This is a process where we have the opportunity to discover together you know, what God is saying about life. All right. Um, just some of the, the issues around it, challenges, managing time. I already talked about that. The more people in the group, the more people to talk. One of the ways to manage time is to simply not make every question, especially up front, an all play. Not everyone has to say something to thank for. Not everyone has to give a challenge. Uh, you know, if you, you find there's a, a spot at the point where you say, hey, how can we serve together as, as, as a group here? Are there any places in our neighborhood or in our office place that we could help heal or, or, 
or love on. Uh, if it falls dead, just move on re- very quickly in, in that process. Um, stay focused on the scriptures. Uh, some people refer to this as hyperlinking. Uh, you're in a discovery process, and you're in Luke chapter 15. Any, anybody mention another passage of scripture when, in your discussion while you were talking here? True confession time. Oh, you did. Oh, wow. Shame on you. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. So, so what's the problem with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you don't know the Bible and people start throwing out other scriptures, bingo. You feel dumb, you know? So just stay in this passage. Just stay right there. And when, and, and like I said, you know, with Christians, it's hard because we're bouncing all over the Bible rather than saying, hey, let's hear from God in this passage right here. Let's not bounce all over the place. You know, and so you can just simply use a question to, to redirect everyone. Now, this works for Christians talking about Francis Chan or Matt Chandler or whatever podcast they've listened to. Uh, it works for Dr. Oz and Oprah and Dr. Phil and everybody else, too. And you just say, when someone makes some kind of crazy off-the-wall comment or mentions another passage, you say, hey, where do you see that in this passage? It's like, hey, where, where do you see that in this passage? And you just point them right back to this passage. You're going to say right here, camp on this, pa- and, and we're going to sit here until we figure out what God wants us to do. We're going to hear him, and, and we're going to do it. You know? So for those of you that, that know Greek, you know, hupo kuo, the, the Greek word for, for he, uh, obey, it's, it's sort of mixed up together, means the same thing. Uh, and it's like, Hearing and obeying never entered into a Jewish person's mind as being separate. It does in the Western world. We can hear and then we can obey. There are two things, but in a Jewish mind, you know, they're one. So, um, staying focused, uh, let's move on here. Okay, so these are similar things. Stick to one passage. Um, We're not displaying our knowledge. Quickly. We would like to pass off the facilitation of the group. This is seven questions. We, we put them on the phone simply because of this. So someone says, why well, I can't facilitate this group. Well, can you ask questions? Can you read your screen on your phone? You're qualified to facilitate. So we, we just simply, after the third or fourth week, when people have seen the model, we want to pass the facilitation around and democratize the leadership in this group to get people ready because the, the medium is the message. We are training leaders as we're doing this. We're, we're getting them ready to, to replicate out of this. And so we pass the facilitation around. And so if, um, uh, was it Carl? Uh, Tyler. I'm sorry, Tyler. Um, if, if I ask Tyler next week to facilitate and, and Tyler, uh, I don't think I can do that. So I'm going to meet with Tyler outside. And I'm going to walk him through his frustration so that he is ready to facilitate. Now, what he needs, I'm going to help him get ready to facilitate next week. So we pass the facilitation around. Uh, you want to meet on their turf, not on your turf? You know, we practice the gift of hospitality. My wife's the worst at this. Fortunately, she's thousands of miles away. Um, when you come to my house, um, uh, my, my wife, I, since I've traveled, he's traveled with me all over the world. We have all these serving dishes that are just incredible and, you know, wood from Africa and brass and glass and all this kind of stuff. She loves the, and she doesn't really care about the food that's on it. She likes the, the presentation stuff. You come into my house like this. Well, if, when I do discovery groups in my house and people see that, they think, I could never do that. 
I don't have any of those kind of things. I can't do that. So all of a sudden, she's become a hindrance to multiplication. So I like to meet on their turf, or at least a neutral turf, all right? Um, and then why well, do you see this in this passage? All right. I'm going to cut it off there. It's time to go. Uh, if you want to hang around, we'll answer questions. My colleagues are all back here. If you want to gather around them um, and stuff. So thanks so much for being here. And I hope you're enjoying Exponential 2022 face-to-face. Hey, I just wanted to jump on here and say thank you so much for listening and to encourage you to go ahead and stick around and listen to the next episode that we recorded from the Exponential Conference from this year. I've got links in the show notes for both the Renew Gathering and the Discipleship.org forum so that you can get a head start on purchasing your tickets. And I look forward to seeing you at both events. All right, everybody, I hope that you enjoyed the episode and I hope you have a great day.